Music, news, entertainment, it's all right here. This is The Kelly Alexander Show. Hi, it's Kelly, and this week we chat with international pop recording artist Kim Petras, who over the course of her rising career has collaborated with artists like Charlie XCX, Cheat Codes, and Max. We also speak to songwriter and pop recording artist Andrew Casera from Ottawa, Ontario. Andrew has released his debut album, Freak on Repeat, and we're excited to learn all about it. Our music editor, Sharon Hyland, joins us to chat about drive-in concerts and new music on the way from Lennon Stella, Charlie Puth, and Leanne LaHavis. Kim Petras has released an amazing track called Malibu, which has a lot of people saying it could be the song of the summer. Kim, welcome to The Kelly Alexander Show. Hi, thank you for having me. How's it going? It's going great. Super excited to have you on, and I want to get to your song in just a sec, but first I want to give some people context about your career. How did you get your start in music, and did you know pretty quickly that music was going to be your life's path? Um, yeah, I think uh, I was around, like, 13, 14 or something when I started writing songs. Um, I just started writing songs in my in my bedroom. I was kind of just like, okay, um, you want to be a singer. I don't think anybody's going to write you songs. So you better learn how to write them yourself. And yeah, ever since then, I've been writing songs. Um, oh. And yeah, I think back then, like it was, I was definitely uh, just obsessed with music and I just wanted to do it. So I guess ever since then, I've been trying. Awesome. <laughs> Why did you decide to make the move to Los Angeles to further your, your career? I felt like um, it was the only way for me to um, become legit. I feel like the whole music industry is basically in L.A. now. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I just wanted to write for other people. And um, I, I also wanted to learn how to, how to be a better songwriter and stuff like that. So I always felt like it was something that I had to do um, in order to be legit. And can you talk to us a little bit about what it was like when you sort of first landed in Los Angeles? Like, was it a struggle at first? Was it hard to um, sort of a, a, like acclimate to, to just being in a different country? Because it's obviously a different way of living, even though obviously the weather's beautiful. Yeah, it, it wasn't it, it wasn't really that different, I think, except for the language. Um, yeah, um, I, yeah, it, it wasn't really that different. I feel like people generally are, like, more outgoing and, like, open and, like, immediately nice and stuff like that, even if that's fake. Okay. Um, <laughs> I think that's just, like, very American um, to be, like, outgoing and stuff. But other than that, there, yeah, there wasn't really that much of a difference. Was it a challenge to kind of get yourself in the right rooms and make the connections? Like, because when you came over, did you already have some connections or were you basically starting from scratch? Um, I had, like... Two people I knew from online who were, like would send me tracks or who I could work with. Uh, so I knew like two people who I could do stuff with. But um, I would just go to whatever studios. I would knock on doors. I would just kind of make it happen myself. Um, but yes, it's been like years of writing songs before any artist ever cut one of them. Um, so yeah, it was definitely a struggle and didn't come easy. And it was years of dedication to get really good at it and to uh, make a career out of it. But I love it. So it's fun. That's perfect. Now, do you have somebody on your bucket list that you really want to write for that hasn't taken one of your songs yet? Like, is that a, is that a goal? Yes, Rihanna. I think that's like the golden, the ultimate thing any songwriter wants to write, you know, the ultimate artist. 
any songwriter wants to write a song for it because I feel like she can take anything and make it sound amazing. I just love her voice so much. It's so funny. I had a feeling you were going to say that. Even though I had no clue you were going to, I was like, I feel like she's going to say Rihanna. So that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, I've written like countless songs with like with Rihanna in mind that, you know, never got to her. But like I, I definitely one day want to write a song for her. That's perfect. You're supposed to manifest and put it out into the universe. So that's that's good that you're doing that. I uh, I wanted to yeah, ask you as well, how important is the LGBTQ community when it comes to their support of you and your music? And do you feel a responsibility to kind of always do right by them? Um, I mean, there's no other reason why I'm where I'm at than uh, the LGBTQ community. I'm a part of them. So I, I you know, I just am. I don't have to like try. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, yeah, it started in uh, you know little gay bars and uh, in Brooklyn where people started playing my songs and it snowballed from there, and uh, that's why I have a career. So I'm forever super grateful. Um, and it's you know it's, it's my I care I care very deeply. So it doesn't feel like a responsibility. I feel honored that people look up to me or that people tell me I, like, inspire them in any way. Like, I just think that's great. And, uh, yeah, I don't really feel pressure. It's just, like, um, yeah, my, my favorite community, for sure. Do you feel like they're a good baseline for sort of knowing if you're on the right track with a song? Because I remember interviewing an artist not long ago who was very popular in uh, the gay community as well. She happens to not be gay, but uh, she's very popular. And she said to me, she said... Uh, they will let you know if they're not happy with what you're doing. And so do you find that that is like they're, they're sort of all in to win and they'll let you know if you're, if you're doing what they, they think you should be doing as an artist? Um, yeah, I think people will definitely let you know what they think you should do as an artist always. Like there's no escaping that. Um, I, I personally, like all I care about is I, I want to make music I love. And if, if it's not, that then I, I don't see any point in it um but I always love to get like you know I, I, I love hearing people's opinions and stuff like that I think it's really like educational just about what people think about your music but my focus is always like do I love this um I try not to care about opinions of other people Joining us on the show is international pop recording artist Kim Petra, so you can grab all of her social media off of her website. Your new single called Malibu, Malibu, super catchy, super fun. I think it's actually a strong contender for Song of the Summer. Did you have a good feeling about this track right away, and and did you know that it was going to go somewhere? Thanks. Um, Yeah, it's it's, it's kind of a weird song because it's been around for about three years. We wrote the demo about three years ago. And it just kept coming back, and people were like, "Oh my God, where's, where's that melody song?" And like, just kept reminding me of it. And um, we did like a million versions of it, and so it felt right. And uh, yeah, then it felt really, really special. So yeah, uh, it's just a really special song. I was reading some social media stuff, and I came upon a tweet from Paris Hilton saying that uh, Malibu is her new summer anthem. What does that mean to you? Uh, amazing. I mean, I'm I'm just so grateful for. Paris's support. I love her so much. Um, so that's amazing. I, I'm so happy about that. Now, I know that, uh, you know, you said you would hope to hopefully one day we'll have a song that, that Rihanna uh, records for you. Is there somebody on your bucket list that you would actually like to do a collaboration with that's like also kind of high on the list? 
Uh, Daft Punk. Oh, that's cool. I could see that. Yeah, I would I would love to do a collab with Daft Punk. Now, I know you have one coming out with Kygo very soon called Broken Glass. How did that opportunity come about? Oh, I'm really excited about that one. Um, actually, um, one of my friends uh, wrote it and sent me the song. Her name is Chloe Angelides, um, and she's an amazing writer. And uh, so I can't really take too much credit for it, but I heard it and I loved it. And I could relate to it and it connected to me. And um, I'm really excited about it. Yeah. Now, you have your own label, so you're not only an artist, but also a businesswoman. Is it difficult to wear both hats, or do you enjoy being artistic, but then putting on the business side of things? Um, I I think it's both really important. So um, I I just like being in charge and getting to put out the music that I want to make. And I think, um, you know, doing business things and thinking about that side of stuff is kind of a small price to pay to get that freedom. Mm-hmm. So I love it. Um, I love being able to do whatever I want. I love being able to drop as much music or, you know, as I want, put out whatever song. So for me, it's, it's great. It allows me to be really artistic with the way that I put out music. Um, so I love it. I wanted to ask you this as well. Some artists really prefer being in the studio and then sort of putting out stuff and then letting it live, you know, online or on radio stations. And then others, you know, kind of get the studio work done, but would much rather be on stage. Which one are you? Uh, I mean, I think both inspire each other. I think it's um, when I go through a long time of being on tour, I'm like, oh, I miss the studio and I write, write, miss writing new songs and I know exactly what I want to write. And then when I'm in the studio for too long, I'm like, I want to perform these songs live and I know exactly what I want the performance to look like. So I feel like it goes super hand in hand with with each other. Like once one is over or once you've done one for a long time, you want to do the other. So, um, yeah, I just love both. They belong together. Now, I know you're obviously living in Los Angeles now. I'm just wondering, what's your thoughts on, on Canada and, and Canadian music? Because I know you've been here before, and I'm just wondering, like, are you a fan of some of our artists, and, and what's your thoughts on when you've toured here? I have some amazing fans that, that, that I love from there who I miss. And touring there is always amazing. So, love it. When you, like, or sort of think about things, I know it's a, a strange time right now, especially for artists, because you can't be out on stage doing things at the moment. But do you have, like, set goals for yourself over the next, like, six months to a year that you really want to see accomplished? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm I'm writing my next album, so I that's my, that's my main goal. I just want to um, write stuff that I love, and I guess just staying sane and... Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I have no idea what the next six months are going to look like. I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to tour the way I used to tour. Uh, I don't think so. Um, so it's just going to be, I, I don't even know. I don't even know what the next six months are going to look like. So I'm trying to stay sane and stay happy and keep making music and stay inspired. I think that's all I can hope for right now and staying healthy and my friends staying healthy and my family staying healthy like that I just hope that in the next six months everybody I care about is still healthy and still okay speaking of your family I wanted to know as well like are they super supportive of your recording career or, or were they nervous about you sort of again moving across the ocean away from them and and you know taking on something that uh you know oftentimes uh eats people up and spits them out um, I, I, my, my parents were really supportive of me. I think 
because I was writing songs and wanted to become a songwriter, I think that was more of a realistic thing to them. They were more like, okay, I can see how you could do that because I've been writing songs every single day since I was like 13. Um, so I think being a songwriter first like really convinced them and uh, they were really supportive, but they didn't really know how to help me. And they were just like, yeah, you know, just go and do it if you think it's the right thing. So I'm happy they allowed me to do that. Um, yeah, and then so this day, like they're, they're just so passionate and they're so happy and they come to my concerts every time and it's amazing. So I love my parents a lot. When you're making music, do you have like... Like I know, like, I've read a bunch of, of you know articles about you and, and interviews that you've done, and and I find that you're very um, upfront about the fact that you make pop music, which is great because I think there's a lot of artists that shy away from that term, and so uh, you know because mm-hmm. I think it can be a dirty word for some people. Um, but I'm just wondering, like, why you're so apt to embrace it? I just think it's amazing. Thanks. Um, I just like I don't feel. I know a lot of people call pop music like guilty pleasure and I I don't feel that way ever. Like I just love it. I've always been really passionate about pop music, always wanted to know everything about it. And uh, it's just been like this huge thing in my life that I care about and uh, that I kind of moved across the world to be a part of. And uh, I don't know. I don't know why I'm obsessed with it. I just am. Perfect. And before I let you go, I just wanted to ask you a couple of quick questions just so you could let your fans know a little bit about you just like super fast. What song can you listen cool. to on repeat? Let me think. My brain is very slow right now. Sorry. That's okay. Anything by Daft Punk. Okay, Anything cool. My Daft Punk. If calories didn't count, what food would you eat every day? Spaghetti. Oh, that's good. I like that. Which pop artist would you love to be stuck in an elevator with? Probably Madonna. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And uh, lastly, if you were co-headlining a tour, who would be the other band or artist, and why would you choose them? Crazy Frog. What a legend. Kim, thank you so much for your, your time. It's been so great to have you on the show. We really appreciate it. Cool. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. That's international pop recording artist Kim Petras. Grab all of her social media handles off of her website, kimpetras.com. The Kelly Alexander Show, bringing you fresh sounds like this. Time now for some new music. The song you're listening to is actually off the soundtrack for the animated Scooby-Doo movie. The song is a collaboration between Canadian artist Lennon Stella and Charlie Puth. And you can tell this is a contender for Song of the Summer. It's amazing. Now, the soundtrack, by the way, also features other artists like Thomas Rhett, Kane Brown, and Ava Max. Destruction. English artist Ellie Goulding has released a new song in the lead-up to her new album. As you can hear, it's amazing. Love the song. The song is called Power. Ellie says it's about relationships in the 21st century and how they can be dictated by social media, superficiality, and material things. Her new album name has not been announced yet, or the release date for that matter, but hopefully we'll get this before the fall. By the way, Ellie shot the video for this song by herself because she's been self-isolating in London, England.
English singer-songwriter Leanne Le Havis has dropped an amazing R&B track that you're listening to right now called Can't Fight. It's off her upcoming album. The song, as you could tell, has a great beat, catchy guitar lines, and then, of course, her phenomenal vocals. Her new album has 11 songs, including a cover of Radiohead's Weird Fishes. It's self-titled the album, and it's going to be released on July 17th. New music on The Kelly Alexander Show. Very happy to welcome back to The Kelly Alexander Show our music editor, Sharon Highland. Hello, Sharon. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for having me. So we have a lot to talk about in the fact that I hadn't heard of this until a couple of days ago. And then I was like, this will be a great little chit chat for the two of us. So over in, well, my example is over in South Korea, although I think this is probably starting to happen in different locales, if you will. But uh, with regards to entertainment, there are Uh, I guess, organizers that are now figuring out to have drive-in concerts because we can't have real concerts at the moment. Or I shouldn't say real concerts, but traditional concerts where you're all standing beside each other and people are drinking beer and all that kind of stuff. Um, So, yeah, so so people in South Korea have uh, managed to do this recently with, I think it was two things, because I saw one that seemed to be a musical, and then apparently there was a K-pop band that also had a drive-in concert. So what are your thoughts on drive-in concerts, Sharon? Well, um, interestingly, also that... uh uh, a Canadian band that we know called July Talk are booked for a couple of shows, drive-in shows in August outside of uh, uh, Toronto. So uh, what do I think? It's, it's interesting. The visual on it for any stories that you'd read online is uh, you can see from like, you know, behind looking at the stage and you see a sea of cars. And then from the artist's perspective, you see behind the artist and then a sea of cars. And you think, what happens when someone wants to rush the stage? Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. They floor it. Yeah, imagine. <laughs> There's a ramp. I am old enough to remember drive-in theaters, and I don't think that, I think you remember them too. The idea of the social aspect of, you know, piling the family in the car and throwing some other people in the trunk so you didn't have to pay for them <laughs> was a thing. Um, and then you got there and you had lawn chairs and you listened to the audio through the um, the pardon my expression, crappy sound that came from your radio in your car. I think that the difference now with the elevated uh, audio experience in vehicles, I think that this is be a pr- it's a pretty cool option. I think it's kind of like watching a concert that's being streamed online, but you're potentially, you know, sitting by your car in or out of it, getting some fresh air, kind of creating a, a communal experience, which is one of the positives of going to see live music anyways. I just think it's, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of interesting to look at, like we're, uh, you know, we're all going to be like, we're sitting in our cars. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. sort of, it's a weird thing, but at the same time, it seems somewhat progressive in, in an approach to get back to that feeling of enjoying live music. Yeah, like I appreciate their efforts for sure. And I think it's amazing who gets to figure out how to park the cars because like with a ticket, you kind of know you're going to row A, seat seven, or you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I'm not yeah. sure how they're going to orchestrate that if it's first come, first serve, and they really just park you like they would if you go to, uh, you know, like a, if you're going to like a county fair and it's always super yep. busy that first couple of days of it or whatever. And then, so they just park you. Like there's all those parking attendants and whoever gets there first is, you know, getting closest to the, the venue or whatever. So I, I'm not sure how yeah, they're working that part out. Um, I guess, and like, here's the thing. If I had, quote unquote, you know, not great seats for a concert, I would be fine to go in my car because I'd be like, well, you know, but I, like, I, you and I have talked before and you and I have had both 
experiences of having really good seats at certain concerts. For for me, it turns out to be Janet Jackson stuff. But like, mm-hmm. I love that I'm four feet from her. And I realize like now yeah. we, we can't be. And actually, I just found out this week that her tour has officially been postponed. She was waiting for the longest time before calling it, but she's called it. And so um, so I'm fine like in the interim doing this. Will, will Would you pay for a ticket to go and do this, Sharon? Uh, I'm not sure. You know, and, and it's, it's out of a practical angle because I'm currently looking at a picture of a concert in Denmark now where this event happened, a 500-car gathering that sold out in 20 minutes. So obviously people are interested. From my perspective, I think, I'm going to be sitting in traffic. <laughs> how, how long is it going to take me to get out of this place? <laughs> yep. Know? And I think that also, not to, you know, uh, rain on anybody's parade, um, I think that if they're filming it to project it on a big screen for 500 cars, that they'll be, you know, recording it, not just, you know, reflecting it. So it'll be uh, retained for, uh, you know, later release, perhaps. And maybe I'll just be able to watch it from a living room. Yeah, also true. <laughs> How old did I just sound there? Pretty like old. Pretty, but yeah. at least you didn't say you were going to be seated on your Chesterfield. <laughs> Which I am doing at the moment. <laughs> um, yeah, and but what do you think it's like for the performers? Because, like, again, some of the video footage I saw of them sort of panning the crowd, if you will, in their cars was they obviously can react in a way where they can flash their lights kind of back at the performers. And so I suppose it's just a bigger... Or honk. Yeah, or honk. <laughs> it's, it's a bigger version of, you know, flashing your cell phone or your, you know, cell phones up in the air. But I'm just wondering, like, you know, because you and I, again, have both had the opportunity to interview a fair amount of artists. And I've asked this question before where I'm like, do you feed off the crowd quite a bit? And most artists say that for sure, like, especially if it's uh, the first 20 rows, let's say, like they really kind of mm-hmm. feed off that. That's why I know, for example, and maybe you have examples of this too, but like Janet Jackson, like she seats like her true fans in the first several rows. And I can understand yeah. why. And I think Madonna does that too. So yeah. I'm just wondering, yeah, like it's important for you to feed off the energy of the crowd, especially if this is like your hundredth show of doing the same set list. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, for the most part, anything that I've read about artists uh, post about uh, live music. They're just really ready to get back at it. Um, So that satisfies that angle of things. Um, But from their experience, you know, I can't imagine that it's a full satisfying experience for them because of what you just said. There's no physical interaction uh, in the moment, eye contact stuff or, you know, someone with a sign that, uh, you know, we love you, whatever, whatever sort of personalized connection that happens at concerts. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I think that just the performance part for the artist would be satisfied with this. And I think that it's at least a step forward and, yeah. and it's certainly not forever, but for now, for the you know time being, or for this summer, yeah. it's uh, an interesting way to sort of satisfy as many people as, as possible and, you know, create new experiences and make the most of a situation where otherwise it just sounds like we're supposed to stay inside. That's not the case. We're allowed doing certain things and we're, you know, at least they're, they're creating some kind of a, a positive experience for people. So it's nice. I think also that people want to do something, yep. you know, like mm-hmm. from the fan perspective, from the artist perspective that people want to like, they want to get together. And I think that that's normal and all good. And this is just a way that we'll have to do it for now. 
That leads me to when things aren't like this. I saw a, uh, I guess, results of a survey that was done, Mm -hmm. I guess, a couple of weeks ago with regards to um, all kinds of things. But one of the sort of categories was, will you go to live music, you know, again? And they had the different age groups and all that sort of stuff and kind of did the results that way. And uh, Mm -hmm. there was a couple of things where it was, you know, not right now, willing to go in like three to six months and then never. And there was like a fair amount of people that said never. Like, and I guess I was shocked by that because I I don't know if people really are still sort of in uncertainty land where they're just, you know, again, and of course, what's going on is extremely scary. And I think we still don't really know a lot about this specific virus. So Mm -hmm. I can understand that. But I just, it was shocking to sort of see age groups saying like, yeah, I don't know that I'll ever go to another concert again. And you know what? Uh, based on news reports that we've seen over the past few days, uh, at least in our neck of the woods where restrictions have been lifted somewhat, where people can socialize with, I mean, whatever the rules are, uh, and then, you know, give the people an inch and they'll take a mile. Uh, I think that the, uh, the age reflected in the never category is probably higher, like meaning Older people are saying, no way. I think that the younger people are the ones that are being a bit reckless socializing now, not respecting distances, things like that. Whereas older people, (laughs) and they have to ask everybody, it's not, it wasn't just a um, tight age group, right? Like it was, they asked everybody. And I would think that the the older crowd is skewing, no thanks, don't need to go to concerts, seem like share. I can't imagine that young people are saying no. Yeah, well, I can't either. And and you and I both were on the air yesterday for the two stations we work for. And I know, like, I gave holy heck to my audience because I just was shocked about what was going on, like you said, about people um, taking, like, you know, it's an inch and then they're taking a mile just with being out in, in our particular area, um, you know, the city next to us, which is still five hours away, but Toronto, like, I couldn't believe the cavalier attitudes of being in the park so closely together. And so, yeah, I think there's a lot of people that don't really, I don't know, it's either like they can't handle it and they just need to get out or they really just have disregard for other people. Well, I think that uh, ignorance is bliss. You know, that phrase truly captures what is going on. So, meaning that I don't think that those people even know why they shouldn't have gone out in the first place or, you know, Oh, but we just need to see our friends. No, you don't. You know what? You can hang on just a couple more weeks and do a video chat or whatever. Like there's so many options to actually see your friends and just deal with the fact that you're not allowed to socialize for now. I don't know. Like, (laughs) I don't want to sound old. I've already put myself on a Chesterfield, but (laughs) I think that, the older demographic in the, you know, senior category, they don't like being cooped up either, but they have full respect of the fact that if they're the risk of them going out and catching something that could be, you know, devastating where it's not this disease, this virus is not age specific. So it doesn't mean that, uh, you know, an older person can't bounce back. We've seen people get it and then, you know, come through and we've seen young people get it and not come through in the news. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so it's not, it's, it's just ignorance. Yeah. A thousand so percent. It's, it's, uh, I find it remarkable. So, and the funny thing is if we can bring it full circle back to the drive-in concerts, who are the people that are going to be going to drive-in shows? I think it's young people. Yeah. 
And will they stay in the car? <laughs> or at least or at least the older people are going to be in the car with windows up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. They probably won't get out. You know, the other thing, too, I guess, last point, um, with regards to the performer's, uh, I guess, view, if you will, is, like, I wonder how distracting it is if somebody flashes their high beams. You know what I mean? Because, like... Yeah, because those newer cars are, like, blinding. Yeah, and I think depending on where they're parked, like, you know, I don't think anybody in the the first couple of rows it's going to really affect, but if they're further back and it's kind of just bouncing off other cars or what have you, I'm not sure how that's going for the actual performers. And... Yeah, and, and like, yeah, I really do appreciate this idea of what's going on because I think it's, you know, making the best of the situation and being creative about it. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think it just really depends on, I think, it, like, the the the, uh, the audience member, is this show important enough for you to be there in person? Because it's still not going to feel like exactly a concert because especially if it's coming through this, like, I don't know, like, how are you listening? Is it is it that they're blasting it so loud that it's coming into your car anyway? You just put the windows down? <laughs> like, I just... Yeah, I wonder. There must be some kind of uh, audio feed to your car, though. I guess so. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but still, yeah. There, it's not. It's probably not exclusive to your car. Meaning that if you cracked your window, you would you wouldn't hear anything because all the sound is going through. You know. Like, yeah. I'm sure that they're they're playing live and it's loud enough for people to hear. <laughs> Jeez. <sighs> well, we'll see how. But, and you, you said know, like. Go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. No, go ahead. No, I was just I was just thinking that. Um, you know, it's something. Yeah. And why not? And the the, the article that I was reading earlier, uh, this event happened in Denmark last month. So. Oh, they're already on it then quite a bit. Yeah. So maybe they've worked the kinks out or something. I think it'll be interesting. Yeah. And again, it's nice that they're doing something because yep. you have to still sort of be progressive in your thoughts on how you can keep a level of sanity and just creativity and, and find an outlet and please your fans and, please yourself as an artist. I think, I think we're fortunate. We're in a fortunate time. That's for sure. It's a, it's a devastating virus. Um, but we're in a, in a time in, uh, in the world where we have access to really cool things. So (laughs) hopefully we can focus on that kind of progress and not the idiotic step backs that people make for making selfish choices. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, Sharon, I appreciate your time as usual. Thank you very much. Kelly, I'm just going to be here. Okay. <laughs> I will await our next chat. Great. I'm not moving. I hope the Chesterfield is comfy. <laughs> it, we are one. Okay, great. <laughs> that is our uh, music editor, Sharon Hyland. And again, you can follow us on the other podcast that we host together called 90s Now. It's on all major podcast platforms. And of course, you can check it out, 90snow.com. Joining us on the show is songwriter and pop recording artist Andrew Cassera from Ottawa, Ontario. Andrew has released his debut album, Freak on Repeat, and we're excited to welcome him to the Kelly Alexander Show. Hey, Andrew. Hey, how are you? I am great. Thank you so much for making time for us. And I have to start off by asking you, actually, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna start right away. Why did you name your album Freak on Repeat? Because I think it's like the best title of an album I've heard in a long time. <laughs> That's awesome to hear. Um, well, I named it Freak on Repeat. Um, it's actually uh, a lyric that's in um, the first single that came off the album called Bad Bad. But I decided to name it that because I, I felt like it just, it was the feeling of the album. So like really what the album means to me um, really is just, you know, letting loose, enjoying the moment and having fun and just being yourself, you know, like forget, forget everything else. Just be yourself. Don't worry about anyone else. So, you know, just getting your freak on repeat just really meant 
something to me, you know, like it really connected with kind of like the message behind the album. So I figured that would be an excellent way to showcase, you know, what the album means in a title. That's perfect. I love that. Now, talk to us about the single Bad Bad. I, I know it's the lead one from the album. How did you decide to go with that one first? Well, it's actually, it's, it's probably my favorite song off the album. And I believe it was the first song, one of the first songs that we recorded. But, you know, we wanted to, you know, open up the album with Bad Bad because it's such a fun song. And that's, you know, that's, that's the whole motto behind the album. It's to have fun, enjoy the moment you know, and, and just let loose. So I figure, you know, if people that hear this as the first song, you know, it'll set the pace and uh, they'll just know what to expect um, in some of the later songs on the album. So I, I thought it was a, a perfect way to, to kickstart uh, this era. And I was looking on social media because I was stalking you as one should when they're going <laughs> to interview somebody. And uh, I wanted to know, um, like, it seems like you're getting a lot of positive feedback on bad bad so how does that feel for you it feels it feels amazing definitely and especially that it's kind of like my favorite song off the album it just makes me feel so much better as well but um you know like the the feel of the song is really you know like upbeat and it's disco and it's funk and it's you know it rocks you know so just to get so much good feedback for for the song just makes me so happy and it just really motivates me and, and makes me more and more excited to get back on the road and, and, and play the album. We're going to talk about touring in a sec. I did want to ask, though, talk to us about the album being disco-influenced. Why did you go that route? Well, when I was uh, writing the album, you know, I wanted to discover, you know, what kind of music that I really want to identify myself and what kind of music that I really love. And so I started listening to all these records and all these different genres. Like, I really got outside my comfort zone. I listened to retro records and the funk genre, disco. Uh, I even listened to hip hop and rap and, you know, classical. Like I went the, the whole spectrum and I really found that when I was listening to disco and funk records, that it, it, it really got me going and, and, and it really, it really made me feel like so energized. And, and that's what I want people to feel when they listen to my music um, and it just clicked with me, you know, I, I felt like it was within me. So I decided to go, you know, kind of the, the disco funk route. And, and I think it's, it's an amazing sound and it's a sound that, you know, will never go away. So I was just so excited to start writing these tunes that are funky disco and they just feel, you know, they feel retro, but they feel fresh and modern at the same time. So I'm, I'm really excited about this disco funk kind of sound that I'm going with. You should hang out with Dua Lipa because that's what she's doing on her album. Oh, her album is absolutely amazing. I blast her album all the time. Like, it's, to me, it's genius. <laughs> that's great. And uh, talk to us about influences for you. Like, you like Dua Lipa. Who else has maybe uh, influenced you, even as a kid growing up? Like, are you a Michael Jackson fan? Like, how is that rolling? Well, when I was growing up, definitely the, the sole artist was a group in this case that really influenced me to get into music was the Backstreet Boys. I was like head over heels, like I was the biggest fan I was when I was like four years old. But when I was growing up, you know, and, and writing this record, you know, I think some of the artists that influenced me the most for sure were Maroon 5. Um, also, I got a lot of, you know, inspiration from Harry Styles with his kind of like eccentric kind of rock desk kind of sound, which I love. And definitely some, a lot of, uh, you know, disco and funk records like Bee Gees for sure. I listened to Aretha Franklin, 
and especially Jamiroquai, uh, which uh, was a huge inspiration for me as well for this record. That's amazing. I also I saw that information on the um, research material I was given, and uh, mm-hmm. I love that. I was like, I love that this guy knows who Jamiroquai is because not you oh, know pe- like not a lot of people might know who they are at this point. So the fact that you did like you got some street cred from me. <laughs> on, that, on that move uh, joining us on the show Canadian recording artist Andrew Casera. you can follow him on social media at Andrew Casera. speaking of your social media I am very impressed with the amount of followers you have tell us how that worked out because you're like a rock star <laughs> thank you um, well just kind of you know I, I just go about my day and I just I think the biggest thing I do and it's, it's the most simple thing for me actually is just you know interacting with my fans in the most you know personal kind of way possible you know so and i think that you know that spreads easily you know i think word of mouth is the best kind of marketing there is so you know it's really important for me to connect with my fans on on a more personal level because you know we're we're all separated by these computer screens nowadays and you know it's, it's really easy to forget that you know every single number that exists on the internet or every single tweet or every single message there's there's a real person behind so you know it's my sole mission to actually get to know my fans and, and get them to know me on a more kind of one-to-one basis so i think you know just going with that it just started to grow and spread and, and people just started to notice that you know I'm, I'm just a guy that does music but i also care about my fans on a on a more personal level than just the numbers so well that's perfect i think that's uh, a recipe for success that's for sure now Explain the touring situation because at the moment things are not going well for anybody that's a musician with regards to getting out and doing concerts because there are none. So mm-hmm. are you looking forward to 2021? Like what's the plan? Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I I don't really know what's going on, you know, for performances, of course, you know, all my shows, all my festivals, you know, the, the, the release party for the album, that was all canceled, of course, with, you know, for a very good reason. I'm, I'm very glad it was canceled safety and health reasons um but you know we're just kind of taking it day by day you know we're we're definitely going to be touring um you know with this album you know play songs from the album for the fans you know across the world wherever it takes us but for now we're just taking it day by day and seeing you know what's going on with the whole pandemic situation because at the end of the day you know i want to perform my songs but my first you know, the first things first is I want to make sure that fans are safe and, and myself as well, you know. So I just want to do the right thing. And when it's time to get on the road, don't worry, I'll, I'll be there right away. <laughs> Perfect. Now, I did want to ask you this, because releasing your first album is something that will never happen again. So the night before it dropped, what was going on in your head and what happened when it was finally out there? Well, the night before the album, you know, it, I felt... So much emotion, you know, I, I, I spent a good like two hours writing this social media post that like I was writing a letter and I posted it on Instagram and it was like a three page letter and I wrote it, you know, to everyone that has made this possible for me, you know, as a thank you. So I wrote, you know, a letter to the fans, a letter to family and friends and a letter to my team, you know, my band, you know, label and a producer and manager. Um, so, you know, like the, the night before the record, I was, you know, very deep in my feelings and my thoughts just thinking back on you know this whole journey getting to this moment you know and how proud and how happy i was so you know i was just really focused on on, on saying my thank yous and uh, when it came out i was just so excited you know i i 
I put on uh, the vinyl record and I played it and uh, I just had a, a party. That's perfect. That's amazing. Now, before I let you go, talk to us a little bit about, um, I guess, being a Canadian artist. Like, do you have plans to head south of the border? Do you want to go overseas? Uh, do you think you'll leave Canada to, to go explore your options? I know a bunch have. Like, for example, I was recently speaking to uh, Virginia to Vegas and uh, Jocelyn Alice, and they both kind of did the LA thing. And then kind of they wanted to come home like she went back home to calgary and he went back home to toronto because it just wasn't for them i think in the grand scheme of things but where does it sit for you about american success well definitely um i definitely want to head down to the u.s you know because i am you know in my heart i'm i'm, I'm part american my all my family you know on my dad's side they all live down in, in florida and orlando vero beach all that so you know it, it's in my heart so i definitely you know would be really happy to you know be able to go down there and play some shows and, and meet fans down there. So that's definitely something I'm looking forward to, but you know, jumping across the pond and, and, and going to Asia and Europe, that's something that, that I'm, I'm really into it. I'm really excited about. I, in the past uh, year or so, I've had, you know, the amazing opportunities to go down and perform in Japan and Korea, which was, was, which blew my mind, honestly. And, and I'm hooked and I, and I can't wait to go, back to to those countries and visit more in Asia because it was just so much fun and the people were so nice and the diversity in the cultures was so rich that you know I learned so much about the world that uh, I'm just hooked on 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 traveling and, and and performing in all these new countries so I'm definitely looking at hopping across the pond and, and going and visiting Europe and, and Asia Awesome. And uh, I noticed too, in some of your social media that you play with a band, how important is it for you to have live musicians with you when you're on stage? It's super important for me. You know, when I was, um, you know, exploring the distant, the, the, the different, um, you know, potential options on how I want to present my show, you know, we went, we thought about the dancers and all that, you know, but you know, with, with the new record, the new sound, I think it's so important to present it with a band because I just, I, I think it makes it come to life in the most genuine kind of way for this style of music. So, and, and you know, the, the guys in my band, they're like my brothers, you know? So when I bring these guys on stage with me, you know, the fans, you know, they, they know them, they, they know my band, they love them. And we just have such a good time. You know, we have, we, we bond like brothers. So it's just so important for me to have my band with me. It, it just makes everything so much more fun. I think it just clicks for the fans. Perfect. Andrew, thank you so much for this. And as a fellow Southpaw, I noticed that also on your social media. So high fives for that because there's not many of us out there. So that's amazing. Keep that up. And uh, you're welcome back on the show anytime. Thanks for having me. It was, uh, it was a pleasure. That's Canadian recording artist Andrew Cassara. Again, uh, you can follow him on his social media at Andrew Cassara. Well, thanks so much for spending time with us on the program this week and a shout out to our guests, Kim Petras and Andrew Cassera. My thanks to Adam Brisson for being an amazing producer and don't forget you can listen to us on all the major podcast platforms, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher Radio and Apple. We'd also love for you to grab all of our social media handles by hitting up our website, kellyalexandershow.com. Have an amazing week. You and I'll chat soon. The Kelly Alexander Show.